The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I am your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Each week, I and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, come to you and bring you the information about health care that you need so that you can advocate for the health care of you and your family. We talk about things here on this show that doctors talk about in doctors' lounges all across the country, and we try to inform you so that you can stand up for yourself and understand what's going on in health care. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. You can find us at www.d, the number four, pcfoundation.org. That's d4pcfoundation.org. We need you to continue to contribute to us so that we can continue to do what we do for you, which is to bring you the show and work in Washington and around state capitals around the country to help to um, support the the efforts in health care that uh, are necessary to fight for your freedoms in health care, the doctor-patient relationship, and patients' rights. So please contribute generously um, and uh, allow us to do what we do on a regular basis every day. Today's show may be a little bit of a, of a uh, departure from what we have been doing, but I think that we will um, uh, have an interesting topic to talk about today, which is illegal immigration. And illegal immigration is hurting the health of American citizens. And that's a, that's not hyperbole. That's, that's reality. And nobody will have the guts to tell you these things. They don't want to talk about this because it is unpopular and you might be construed as being, um, bigoted or being, uh, biased or, or, uh, anti-immigration, which I am not. I am so pro-immigration that it's not funny. My daughter-in-law is an immigrant, and uh, she came to this country legally, through legal means, um, and uh, and that's an important part of the fabric of the United States. What is not is what is happening at our southern border, which is illegal immigration. And that is harming every single American. It's hurting everyone's health care. And it's hurting everyone um, either directly from the dangers posed by illegal immigration or indirectly harming Americans' health care and I will unpack what that means in the show as we proceed. So you need to stay tuned to learn about what that might be. So let's start out by looking at the direct dangers that illegal immigration poses 
to the health of American citizens. Now, why am I on this topic today? What is it that made me start thinking about this enough to devote a show to this topic? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I don't know if anybody is being is paying attention to this, but there was a malaria outbreak in Florida and uh, and in Texas. So there were four reported cases in Florida and one in Texas. Now you have to understand that malaria is not a transmissible disease person to person. And so I'll explain all that in, in, a, in a few moments. But malaria has been eradicated in the United States until now. And these five cases are the first reported cases in the United States in over 20 years. Now, there was a time where malaria was fairly common in the United States. It was common in Florida, in the uh, Everglades. It's transmitted by mosquitoes, and again, I'll talk about that in a moment as well. But it has been eradicated in the pockets where it has been um, found previously. An interesting historical note, malaria was was uh, uh, very prevalent in, of all places, at one time in our history, Washington, D.C., lending to the notion that D.C. is truly a swamp because D.C. started out as a swamp. And uh, ironically, it has once again become a swamp for different reasons. But nonetheless, malaria has been eradicated from the United States. And these are the first reported cases in over 20 years. Now, malaria is a potentially fatal disease. It's it, it, it can be especially so in at-risk individuals, those who are immunosuppressed, who are cancer patients on chemotherapy, or who have HIV slash AIDS. It can be fatal to a fetus in utero, and it can be fatal to children who lack the ability to um, to fight off the effects of the of the parasite that causes malaria. Now, as I just mentioned, malaria is caused by a parasite. It's called a plasmodium, and it is transmitted by the bite of the Anopheles mosquito. It's a very um, specific um, uh, strain of mosquitoes that can that can transmit this parasite. And it is not transmissible person to person, as I have already mentioned, but rather it's transmitted by the mosquito, which is a vector. So what happens is that the mosquito needs to bite someone who is infected with this parasite. They pick 
up the blood from the infected person and then they transmit it to another host, another person through another bite. And and that's and that's the mechanism of uh transmission for malaria. Now there are five types of plasmodiums with a range of symptoms that depend on which plasmodium parasite the person is infected with. Now, the type that was recently reported here in the U.S., plasmodium vivax, can remain in the liver. It can cause relapsing disease like high fevers, throbbing headaches, seizures, shaking chills, muscle aches, fatigue, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Some individuals may become anemic or jaundiced because of the effects on the liver and the production of healthy blood cells. Left untreated, malaria can lead to severe seizures, um, status epilepticus, which is potentially deadly, kidney failure, coma, and ultimately death. So this is a serious, serious problem. Now, again, although there is no connection between illegal immigration and this malaria outbreak, this is something that still seri- needs serious consideration. And I am, I'm not going to make that connection. I cannot connect those dots. All I can do is make you think about what is possible or probable and likely. The reasons I'm suggesting this possibility is because this is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, the people who are the public health officials who have looked at this issue, this malaria outbreak, are suggesting as reasons for the possible outbreak increased travel around the world. You know, the world is now very open. And and it's true that the cases of malaria that have been seen in the U.S. previously have been related to foreign travel. People who have brought the the, uh, disease in with them having been to what's called endemic areas, South America, Africa, and they get um, bitten by an Anopheles mosquito in these areas, they contract the parasite and the disease and they bring it to the U.S. and they get treated. How do we know that this is different? Because the people who have been infected here in the U.S. did not travel abroad. These are people who were just everyday people who have not left the United States. Another reason that the public health officials have 
um, have hypothesized that this is happening is now wait for it here it comes climate change they say that the warmer temperatures facilitate more Anopheles mosquito activity so of course you know this is this is the uh, always the go-to response for anything negative that befalls us in the world today climate change you know the forest fires in Canada climate change everything is climate change but no one dares to ask the question could millions of people pouring across our southern border without the requisite health screening come here as malaria-infected individuals. Of course they can. Now, why no one is asking that question, why no one is putting that out there, is just unbelievable. It is mind-boggling that this is being a... This is happening right in front of our very eyes, under our noses, and nobody's even questioning this. Never mind that areas in Central and South America are endemic for malaria, but illegal migrants have been identified from a hundred and over 160 countries. Many of them have come from areas where malaria is is highly endemic in in Africa. Where, where in sub-Sahara Africa, malaria is, is so prevalent. Um, and, um, actually it's, this is a historical issue. It's prevalent and it is protective in that population of people who live there against one of the most serious problems that we see here in the United States, which is sickle cell anemia. And I'm not going to get into the biology of that today, but but I, th- I think that that's just an interesting aside. But let me explain what the process is supposed to be for an applicant to obtain a green card in the United States. In order to get a green card, an applicant must complete the immigration medical exam to confirm that they are in good health and are fit to live in the United States as permanent residents. That's happening right now at the southern border? Please, please don't insult anybody and and try to make them think that what has been the policy of the United States to keep our country safe is being ignored by keeping the southern border door wide open. A govern- if this, let me go on. The process requires a government-authorized doctor to conduct an exam that will include, number one, a mental and physical exam, number two, a medical history and immunization or vaccine record review, 
Number three, drug and alcohol screening. And number four, testing for various illnesses and diseases. None of those things are happening right now. None of them. This is an absolute travesty. And it is, it is uh, illegal. And it is, it is, um, really, it, I, I mean, the it, words fail to, to really, to express how, how harmful this is for residents in the United States. So what would make someone medically inadmissible or denied issuance of a green card? Well, first is whether if they have a communicable disease that can affect public health. You remember during the COVID pandemic, not that long ago, you don't need to put on your thinking cap to remember what went on. There was a lot of concern raised by lots of people about whether or not these these illegal migrants pouring across our border could harbor the COVID um, uh, virus. And that's a valid concern. Nobody was being screened for it, which they needed to be. But nonetheless, that was okay because they were they they needed to be in the United States, and we would worry about that later on. Never mind the fact that everybody else in the United States had to be subjected to draconian measures to uh, combat COVID. We had to be um, quarantined. We had to not go to work. We had to wear masks. We had to receive a, 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 an injection for something that now is being shown to have been ineffective and perhaps even harmful. But yet, the people who poured across the border didn't have to be subjected to any of that. And on top of it, very likely, thousands and thousands of them were bringing COVID across the border with them. What else would make someone medically inadmissible for a green card? Well, if they have drug or alcohol abuse problems. They actually screen people for that. How many of these illegal aliens have been involved in uh, in drug trafficking, which I'll get to after, or drunk driving accidents where Americans are getting killed? We see this happen on a regular basis where they have no regard for the laws in this country. They will drive a vehicle um, intoxicated and get involved in a fatal car accident. That is not supposed to happen, but that's not being looked at. It's not being screened for. And these people, once again, are um, in large part involved in in these activities. Another issue that would make someone medically inadmissible is mental or physical disorders associated with harmful behaviors like drunk driving. The fourth is an inability to work. You heard me. That's a a um a screening criteria for legal immigration. 
you have to show an ability to be able to work. Why? Because the country is not prepared to open its doors to allow people who can't work, who can't contribute to live off the dole of the government, off of taxpayers. They have to be contributing members of society. That's not happening. And then finally, something that would make medically inadmissible is failure to show proof that you previously had your required vaccinations. Oh boy, that is completely off the table with this illegal immigration. Let me, let me explain what an applicant who is looking for a green card has to prove that they've received as far as vaccines. I'm going to run through this list. They have to have had vaccines against mumps, measles, and rubella, diphtheria, and tetanus, polio, pertussis, which is whooping cough, hepatitis A and B, homophilus influenza B, influenza, that's the regular flu vaccine, varicella, that's what causes shingles in older people, pneumococcal pneumonia, very, very deadly in in um in senior citizens meningococcus highly contagious in um in the uh teenage or young adult uh age group we see the outbreaks of this in college campuses and rotavirus plus screening for tuberculosis gonorrhea and syphilis now let me just touch on a few of these things. Let me touch on the last one, gonorrhea and syphilis. It's been reported that 75%, up to 75% of the women coming across our southern border have been raped, which is, that, that's a, that's a, that is just a crime against humanity that that the people who are allowing our southern border who are encouraging people to come to our southern border are are perpetuating are they are they are accomplices to this how many of those people who are getting raped are being raped by people who harbor gonorrhea and syphilis but that's no longer a screening criteria and then they're coming to the U.S. infected with that. But let's look at some of the things that are, that's not a communicable disease unless you, unless you engage in sexual activity. But let's look at the things that are communicable diseases that are very serious public health threats. Mumps, measles, rubella. These are, these are diseases that we have spent generations eradicating through vaccination programs, through public health measures. Polio, unheard of after after the massive polio um, vaccination program of the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. These are diseases that are now... Um, they are emerging again. We are seeing them in populations 
in pockets around the country, in the United States. Now, it's not entirely an illegal immigration issue that we're seeing this. We're seeing this for a number of reasons. Again, people who are crazy anti-vaxxers, who or who live in um, in, in a population um, that is an a uh, an isolated population because of religious reasons, whether it's Mormons in in uh, in the West or it is um, Orthodox Jews in upstate New York. We've seen outbreaks in these in these communities um, because they refuse to vaccinate for crazy religious reasons they're extremists and and there's no real religious basis for their lack of vaccination nonetheless we're seeing outbreaks in these populations and it's coming from somewhere now it's probably coming from foreign travel in 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 many cases but it's also being brought here by illegal Immigration. There's no question that the people pouring across the border harbor these diseases, and they are not being screened for it. And and this is an abrogation of the duty of the people who are are entrusted to protect the American population. Over five million people have poured across our border in the past two years. It's the number is probably far greater than that. The numbers vary and will be different depending on where you get your information. But the conservative estimate is five to is five to six million people over the last two years. It's it may be closer to ten to twenty million people. Nobody knows. We don't know the number of get of gotaways the ones who are not being picked up by border patrol nonetheless none of these people have had the requisite medical screening that has been the policy of the united states for immigration for decades and and this is this is putting every single american in jeopardy um and we're going to see reemergence of diseases that we thought were gone. And unfortunately, um, medical personnel, public health um, uh, uh, personnel, and people in medical, just general medical practice, have no experience treating these diseases. They don't know what to look for because they have not been trained to see these problems because, as I've said, they have been eradicated and now they're coming back. And we're going to see some very bad cases before people start to think about these diseases when they see patients with certain symptoms. So, Again, if you combine what's happening at the southern border with what is happening domestically with anti-vaxxers, we're looking at a brewing storm in the near future. The anti-vaxxers are people who, who are perfect hosts for these diseases, and they 
are petri dishes. They're incubators for these diseases when they're being brought here by human vectors from places around the world which these diseases are endemic. You're seen everywhere. Now, um, as I said, there was some concern about illegal migrants during the pandemic with bringing COVID across the border and further exacerbating the pandemic and putting people at risk. This created a real dilemma for those Marxist Democrats. And yes, I said Marxist Democrats. I always use Marxist now whenever I say Democrats because the Democrats love to demonize conservatives anytime that they mention something that is conservative they proceed it with MAGA Republicans. Well, I think that what needs to happen is that instead of saying Democrats, we need to really call them out for what they are, which is Marxist. So I implore everybody to stop using the word Democrat without giving a a preceding Marxist label to who they are. So the Marxist Democrats were really in a conundrum during the pandemic because, on the one hand, they were trying to shut down everything and they knowingly knew that people pouring across the border were likely bringing COVID with them. So this was, this was against what they were trying to do to all Americans and it it was in contradistinction to their wish to continue an open border policy. So they really had a very difficult moral dilemma about which way to go with with these two conflicting issues. But thankfully, the pandemic is over and they no longer need to worry about that. So now the left has no regard for the health of Americans and can continue to leave the border wide open while they they achieve their goal of destroying the fabric of our country without any regard to what that means to Americans and their health. Now, I've made the case of how illegal immigration directly hurts the health care of Americans. So let me lay out for you how it will indirectly negatively affect the care of Americans and their health. And you know what? We've got a hard break right now. Let's take it. And I will come back in the next half and unpack that issue for you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. 
It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back in the doctor's lounge talking about illegal immigration and how it is hurting the health of all Americans. So I've explained in the first half the direct effect of illegal immigration and how that is harming Americans and their health. Let me... Let me try to now uh, unpack for you how it indirectly affects the health of millions of Americans. So the 5 million known illegal immigrants, probably, as I've said, far more than that, are pouring into communities all across the country. As it's been pointed out, this is not a border problem. It is a national problem, a national crisis, because the people coming in are are spreading across the entire nation. And guess what? They all need health care. And they get it. They either get it because they're put on Medicaid rolls or they simply show up in emergency rooms. Nobody gets turned away from an emergency room if they've got a problem. And these people coming across the border are typically sicker or less healthy than the average Americans are. And so they require more resources. Now, there are no statistics to, to, um, uh, that, that will, that I can rely on to give you to support what I'm saying, but this is just what I'm going to say is the obvious. It is, it is common sense. So bear with me. First, there are limited financial resources that are devoted to health care. We know that. That's a, that's, that's an absolute truism. That means services will need to be rationed. If you have an influx of 5 million people in the healthcare system, or 10 million, or 20 million, and there are limited resources financially, then that's going to get spread out over more people. Now, this will mostly affect 
indigent populations first and most directly because they are the ones that are most dependent on the system, on the financial um, uh, aid, the financial uh, assistance that the government gives to those individuals. People like myself who pay for my health care are not as affected initially by limited financial resources that these illegal immigrants are sucking up. The people affected will find it more difficult to get into community clinics or to get testing done or surgery scheduled. Again, limiting the rationing the care, limited resources. In addition, there's a disproportionate number of illegals with more serious medical problems who will jump the line and get in front of individuals who need medical care, who have chronic problems or less severe acute conditions. This is an absolute fact. You can't get around this. It will happen. Second, the healthcare sector is in big trouble right now. There are shortages in physicians. We're not training enough physicians, and physicians are leaving the, the workforce in record number because of what conditions are happening in the healthcare arena, which is a far different issue. I've talked about that, and we won't go into that today. There are shortages in skilled nursing. Nurses are leaving as well, and there are fewer and fewer nurses available, and it's a crisis situation that we're seeing unfold in hospitals, in cities around the country. There's a shortage of hospital beds, not to mention drugs, which I've talked about on this show, and other medical supplies and materials. So these strains on our medical system will affect everyone at some point, including me and you, not just the people on public assistance competing for these resources. This influx of illegals who are guaranteed health care strains the system in so many other ways. <coughs> this whole issue drudges up the primary issue about health care, which is whether or not health care is a right or a privilege. So let's assume for a moment that it is a right, something that I don't ascribe to. <coughs> I think it is not a right, and I, th this is a show that I've had in the past. It is a responsibility. It is a responsibility of a society to take care of those in need, but it, nobody has a right to health care because what that means, if something is a right, then it has to be provided. And in order to be provided, somebody needs to be compelled to give it. And you cannot force somebody to give 
something that they don't own. That is slavery. When you make somebody do something that they don't need to do, when you're compelling them to do something. But I do believe healthcare is a responsibility, something that I personally take very, very seriously, which is why I take care of indigent populations and have for over 40 years in my medical career. We'll continue to do so because it's very important. But what I am pointing out is that this, that healthcare, if it is a right, it is not a right for everyone in the world. It is a right for the people of our country, our citizens. So do illegals have the same rights to the services of doctors or the system as American citizens? And that, the answer is no, they don't have that right. We are a compassionate country. We want to take care of people, but we don't have the resources to just say to the world, come in and we will share everything that we have with you. That just is not sustainable. And that's why we, we have legal immigration and that's why we have a system. And what the Marxist Democrats want to do is completely break down that system and see our country completely transformed into the Marxist utopia that they want it to be. And that's the goal of what this is. So those who contend that this is a human right, and now it is a right that everybody has regardless of citizenship, shows how little experience these people have with health care. They have feelings. They do not think. So no one turns away a seriously ill patient. But what about those illegals coming in who need a hip replacement or a hearing aid or hernia repair? How is this the responsibility of our society to provide everything to the illegal community pouring across our border. It is not. Now, what else? Listen to this. A patient shows up in my office or your office if you're a physician and they don't understand English. It is your responsibility to provide translation services at your expense. This is not inexpensive. It is also disruptive to the flow of your office. It slows things down because these services are often difficult to access, especially for less common languages. And remember, people are coming here from over 160 different countries illegally entering our southern border. So if I know that such patients are on my schedule, which is often not something that I learn about until after they've arrived at my office, I will either have to truncate my schedule, which means that fewer of my regular patients will have access to me, or what some doctors may do, not me, but some, they will limit access to these patients, 
which makes it more likely that they will use emergency rooms for their primary care. The whole system gets strained. Everybody pays the price. This is an untenable situation, this illegal immigration issue. The number of these people is increasing. It's not decreasing. There's no end in sight. And the Marxist Democrat administration is intentionally not only allowing this to happen, but encouraging it. And the focus has been taken away from the border crisis because of all of the other drama going on in Washington and also going on elsewhere. The Titanic, that took away the focus for a while. And, and um, you know, not, nothing has changed at the southern border over the years. The border does not exist. And whether or not you now no longer like Fox, don't trust them, whatever, you have to at least acknowledge that Fox News has been the only media outlet, major media outlet, that has focused on this issue, an issue that has been largely ignored or denied as a problem by other media outlets. These other media outlets have committed, in my opinion and that of others, journalistic malpractice as they've done over and over again with so many issues that's contrary to their Marxist ideology. As an aside, just to, just to reinforce my, my point, we have right now in Washington DC this IRS whistleblower, which is a huge story, probably bigger that, bigger scandal than Watergate, a bigger issue than this so-called fake insurrection, it got zero minutes of attention on ABC News yesterday. Zero. The Secretary of HHS is guilty of criminal behavior, not defending our border and continually lying about it. He was sworn to protect our borders, and he has not only failed miserably in doing so, but he has intentionally done just the opposite. He, I'm sure, locks his doors at night. He locks his car when he parks it. But he feels like it's okay to leave an open welcome sign at the southern border, wide open for people to walk through. He's responsible for everything that results from this reckless policy. And as a person... He is answerable to, which is the president of the United States, whoever that may be, because Joe Biden, we know, is just like Weekend at Bernie's, a dead figurehead who they prop up and let the people behind the scenes really run the show. Everything that happens from this policy is on the, is on the secretary of HHS. Crime, health care, and as I'm going to say in the next in the last part, fentanyl, which is another health issue that arises because of this open border. Our producer, David um, Moxley, wants to ask a question. Go ahead. With what you've said, 
do you feel like, and you you would be the one in touch with it more so than, and and the media is not going to touch it, but are the medical schools gearing up for this? Are they beginning to teach uh, from different books saying, remember when malaria, or remember when polio, and what you, as a practicing physician, you're about to graduate from college, and you may, or from med school, and you may go into a, an emergency room situation for a while, or you may do this, or you may do this. Are the schools gearing up for what's, it, it's a tsunami headed towards the schools. It, it very well may be, and it's a good question, but the answer is no, they're not gearing up. In fact, medical schools are taking away courses that are important for physicians' um, knowledge, medical knowledge, to be um, well-rounded and informed physicians. And instead, as I've said on shows in the past, that curriculum is being replaced with crazy woke ideology, crazy courses in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they're not, they're not, uh, th- those courses that they're teaching uh, like that and on transgenderism are taking away from the traditional uh, medical school curriculum. Something's got to give. They can't just add something. Um, they're already saturated. So if they add things to that curriculum, something has to be taken away. And unfortunately, it is the things that they need to know about to be good doctors. And the issue you raise is so far removed from what they're thinking that that's not even something they're gearing up for. But let me, let me cover the last part of the healthcare crisis. <laughs> which is the fentanyl crisis, which is very much healthcare related and very closely related to our poorest southern border and illegal immigration. Um, the number of fatalities from fentanyl continues to increase. It is um, up um, over 56% be- from uh, 2013 in the year 2019 to 2020. Um, the opioid death rate increased 18-fold. In 2020, greater than 56,000 Americans, 56,000 Americans, it's more than Vietnam, died from fentanyl overdoses. If that wasn't bad enough, in 2022, end of calendar 2022, greater than 110,000 Americans died from fentanyl overdose. That's 2x Vietnam. Again, this not only affects the individuals who die, but it affects the entire health care system. More use of resources, changes in our preparedness. For example, Narcan stations in schools with, instead of the, in case of fire break the glass, it's in case of a, nar, a, a fentanyl overdose, which has, is happening when it gets aerosolized and somebody starts to 
overdose, you they have the break the glass with Narcan in there so that they can um, give them an antidote to the fentanyl. Um, this is um, also we're talking about near deaths, the treatment of the individuals who have been exposed to fentanyl who don't die, um, but who have serious medical problems related to that. There's no figure on how many of those people are affected by this fentanyl crisis. But if there are 110,000 deaths, you can only surmise that the number of people who have experienced near death or other severe complications from fentanyl is is a a a, a factor of that 110,000 2x 3x 4x who knows we don't know again limiting resources diverting money and attention to this problem which is largely preventable by controlling the border hurts the health care of every single American. It affects everybody. Hopefully, there will be a reckoning. Thanks to the GOP House of Representatives, Sec- Secretary Mayorkas will be impeached. It will not go anywhere because the trial needs to proceed in the Senate which is where it will die a quick death. But the media will not be able to ignore an impeachment trial in, or an impeachment in the, in the House and an impeachment trial in the Senate. They will have to report that. And if they are reporting it, then people who have up until now been uninformed or ill-informed about what's happening at our southern border will have to open their eyes and see what's happening. Now, despite the fact that this will have to be reported, nonetheless, how it's reported will affect how the average uninformed American sees this issue because it will be spun in such a way as it will never truly register with most uninformed Americans. But nonetheless, it will at least get out there and people who may not have paid attention or people who may have known about this but not given it much thought may be encouraged, may be stimulated to look a little bit more deeply into this. So what does that all mean? Well, maybe if they take this issue a little more seriously and understand why this happened, how this happened, it happened for one reason. It happened because the Marxist Democrats controlled the process. This did not happen in a GOP administration. This did not, I'm not saying that illegal immigration didn't occur. Of course it occurred. And yes, our border was always porous. But there are serious 
um, politicians in the GOP side that want to close our border and want to enhance border patrol and enhance ICE to keep Americans safe on a regular basis. And if we don't get back to that, this is just the beginning. We are in for a very, very serious health care emergency, a health care crisis that will affect every American directly and indirectly in so many ways as I have enumerated. So we are reaching the end of our show, and although nobody is talking about this issue, I hope that you'll at least think about what I've presented today because this is truly something that is preventable. It's something that we need to turn around, and there's only one way to do that, and that's at the ballot box, folks. So you need to really pay attention to what you, uh, who you put into uh, power, who you allow to run this country. I want you to come back next week with my uh, co-host, Dr. Scott. I'll be gone in two weeks. I am going on a short vacation, and my uh, buddy, Dr. Ori Hampel, who has been a guest host on this show before, will be sitting in for me. I'll be back with you in four weeks, and we're going to talk about an issue that has popped up again that's very important, and that is medical malpractice around this country. It is it rearing its ugly head once again, and it's worse than ever. So be sure to tune in. Thanks for being with us today, and have a good day. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.